I'll be frustrating myself or play a bad round of golf and I'll walk off the course my dad will be like you do realise you've got one arm and one leg you, you know you, you can't you can't do everything perfect Hello there, welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here, thank you very much for tuning in. Apologies, we are a little bit late this week with the pod, but look, lots of stuff going on at this time of year. Ghana are going great guns in the World Cup. Brilliant win yesterday. We've, we've, got, we've got other priorities, I'm sorry. It's as simple as that, but we're here now. So I hope, I hope you can appreciate that we've... We've made the effort. We've shown up. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor, sitting opposite as always. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. You are not enjoying this World Cup, you were telling me. No. I, uh, I didn't see our boys yesterday because I spent about two hours in the Edinburgh Bypass. <laughs> yes. Miserable. Um, no, it's not a great World Cup, Michael. I don't care what anyone says. It's, I'm going to say it right now, right? I think a lot of the teams are mints. Don't think they're very good. I do not disagree. And I think, you know, the World Cup's meant to be the pinnacle mm-hmm. of football, and all the teams are meant to be the best of the best. But as somebody said yesterday, Man City would probably smash most of those teams. Yeah. And their best player isn't even at the World Cup because his team didn't qualify. Oh, yeah, yeah. Erling Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just not... It's not very, vintage, is it? It's just... And a lot of the teams have got ageing stars, yeah. which is not very conducive to sort of fast phone football. And it's just a bit, it's not very inspiring. No, it's not. Speaking of ageing stars, oh, nice oh, little segue a, there into I the first topic set, of the week. Up there nicely. Beautifully done. Nicely. It's almost like one mind at this point. It is, yeah. I, I've always thought it was that way. I've got the brain cells, you've got what looks. That's it. <laughs> yes, aging stars, Tiger Woods. So Tiger was meant to be playing in the Hero World Challenge this week in the Bahamas. And now he's not. Got news late last night from the man himself. He tweeted to say that he is unable to take his place in the 18-man field. 18, 19, 20, something like that. Very small field anyway. He can't play because in practice and in preparation for the event, which would be his first since the Open, he has developed plantar fasciitis. Ouchie. We'll come on to that a little bit more in a second. But obviously a big blow for the tournament. And to be honest, Bryce, arguably an even bigger blow for golf fans such as you and I and everyone listening who undoubtedly were looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, I tweeted last night. I don't think it's a huge surprise. That he's injured again. I just wonder how is this a result of the injury? Because I know you you've had that. So is this a result of the trauma, or is it just age? Something he's yeah. done in his training, or it's maybe a bit of both. To be honest, plantar fasciitis. It's like an inflammation of the plantar fascia, which is the bit under your the sole of your foot there, the arch of your foot. It goes like that. Mm-hmm. It gets inflamed and it feels like it's collapsed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it actually does. I developed it in 2017, but a mild bout of it when I was training for the London Marathon. My training was quite intense. I did a 16-week programme, and by the end of it, I was getting up to how many miles was it? I think it was about 20 miles. It was my long run, but I was doing about 60, 70 miles a week. And so you're putting your foot under a hell of a lot of stress and pressure. You're doing something quite unnatural with it, and that's how I developed it. It is particularly common amongst 
people who do long distance running. I'm kind of surprised that Tiger's developed it. I can't, can't it. imagine he's doing long distance running no. at all. Then again, we do know from his past that he likes to train hard in the gym. Yeah. And if he's not able to play as much, is he overdoing the training? We don't know. No, we don't totally know. But we, we do but know that he's we do know that he's had a problem with his feet because he's and this has now led to rumours about his Nike contract because he's <laughs> yeah. he's not wearing Nike shoes, he's wearing FootJoy shoes yeah. because the FootJoy shoe that he's wearing provides much more support, which is what FootJoy are all about. Mm-hmm. FootJoy obviously make a, an athletic shoe and then they make a, what you would say as a golf, well I'd say they make street shoes as well as a proper sturdy golf shoe because they're all about stability. Mm-hmm. So you can't sell a golf shoe unless you can sell it to a golfer and tell them all that it's meant to do when you're a golf shoe company because that's the thing, Nike, they, they always say that Nike are a, a shoe brand sports shoe brand but footjoy are a golf shoe brand yeah subtle so, difference subtle difference but when you're struggling with your injuries and he's clearly struggling with his feet because he's been doing it for a long time now mm-hmm. he's, he's choosing to wear a footjoy so there obviously is an underlying problem there with his feet but i just he doesn't tell you anyone very much so nobody knows whether that is a result of the injury or the crash but it's only happened Post crash, you would have to say that's somehow linked, but it's not a real great surprise. We said I, well, I can't remember what I said last week, but it was along along the lines of I don't think we'll see much of him. But I saw there was people saying last week that he was going to play nine ten events <laughs> next year, and I'm like I don't, I'm sorry, what? I'm just not seeing that nine ten events. Yeah, I, I don't nope. see that. So he's clearly not well. Whether he's going to play in the other events. Because he's got two events before yeah, so the end got of the, the year, match it? with Rory McIlroy, Jordan Joe. Spieth and Justin Thomas, I think next week, which he says he's still intending to play in. And then the following week, the PNC Championship with Charlie. He does say that he still intends or plans to play in them both, which suggests that this is a mild case. But both those ones, he can use a cart, can he not? Correct. That's the difference. But he can't in this one. I mean... I don't think he can... This he, is a PG Tour event. He, he does host it, so could he not apply for no, a special... you don't know. And no. it's an unofficial PGA Tour event. It doesn't yeah. make, It doesn't count towards official money. So. But it counts toward award ranking points, does Good it point. not? So yeah, I don't okay. think he can use a cart. It's not allowed. God, that's been an argument on the PGA Tour for a long time. Mm. So I don't... I could be wrong there, but I don't no, I think, think he right. can use a cart. So he can use a cart in the other ones. But let's be honest, it's... It's not great. No, it's you not. Want, well, you golf, want to see him, Mac. Golf's a walking game anyway, isn't it, at, at that level? You know, the, the best players in the world do walk. And if Tiger's unable to walk because of a number of reasons, most recently plantar fasciitis, it, it doesn't really bode particularly well for, for next year. Heavy implications about what could be around the corner. The thing about plantar fasciitis, as I say, I had a, a mild case of it and it probably cleared up within about four to six weeks. But that's also because I'm not a professional athlete, clearly. Not, I'm not a professional. I'm not a professional. <laughs> you should be. I'm not. <laughs> if anyone, if anyone listening gets that reference, DM us and I'll send you a sleeve of balls because that is niche. Yes. First person to it. I don't want like 60 people all getting the reference and demanding golf balls. So the first person can get a sleeve of balls. But yeah, I'm, I, I clearly, you know, I ran the marathon, then I stopped. So I was able, I was in a position to put my feet up and it didn't impact my earnings or you know, earning potential. And it did, it, it did clear up pretty quickly. In more severe cases, you know, I've, I've heard of guys getting a two-inch needle shoved right up the sole of their foot to try and alleviate the pain and fix the inflammation. 
And in the most severe cases, it can require surgery. I mean, it would be just Tiger's luck that he's going to end up with a severe case and require surgery. It's He's not had the best of luck as far as injuries and avoiding the surgeon's table goes. But yeah, with any luck, it is just a... a it's just a quite strange how he's, um, how he's developed that. Because he's meant to... Well, he was meant to be resting, but he's, he's obviously... he's. Well known for his intense training, but mm-hmm. you you would think that he wouldn't be doing that at this stage in life. Whether he really needs to do that, but from what we've seen of him physically, he still looks fit, mm-hmm. still looks after himself, strong. Consid- yeah, considering his age, you wonder if that's got part to do with it as well, though, because the the heavier the load above the waist, the more pressure that's putting on your legs and on your feet. Yeah, and, and as I've said, his legs are not, he's not working his lower half because mm-hmm. he's got thin legs. Mm-hmm. You know, his calves are smaller than they used to be. So, you know, it's one of those things that like we don't know anything about no. the guy. I don't live in his house. I've got no idea what he does. I don't Do get not? to stay in his, his uh, neighbourhood to see him train. But we just sit from afar and pontificate it's about good, what's wrong it? with him. <laughs> it's <laughs> award-winning material. Uh, right. And we don't have a clue, you know. But that's that's it, that's the fascination with yeah. Tiger Woods, you know. The other element of that is, of course, that there could be compensations that he's making because they did say it was his right leg, or he said it was his right foot that he's developed in. That was, of course, the one that was most severely injured in that crash in February 2021. So is he having to make certain compensations now because of the injuries he sustained that may make him more prone to developing these things? Look, we don't know. No doctor. We don't work with him. We're not his physical trainer. But as you say, we can sit from afar and go, that doesn't sound particularly promising. Right, Augusta National, because the next thing for Tiger, with the greatest of respect to the match and the PNC, that's looming large on the horizon, and that's where everyone will see Tiger putting his focus, presumably, between now and uh, the, the spring. If he does make it to Augusta, he's going to encounter a very different-looking 13th hole. No great surprise this, no great secret. We have spoken about this previously, but now, thanks to the geniuses at Eureka Earth, we now have a better idea of what the lengthened 13th hole is going to look like. They released some pictures last week that show the new tee. It looks like it's finished. It looks like it's been pushed back a fair bit. And it looks like it's going to pretty fundamentally change that golf hole. You can see the picks at bunker.co.uk, so I recommend you go and check them out. Bryce, your thoughts on how it looks, first of all, and then secondly, the idea of changing the 13th in general. How do you feel? First of all, props to the construction crew. How the hell do they do that? It's mind-blowing how they can do that. So quickly as I mean, well. as soon as that tournament was finished this year, that was it. Mm-hmm. Diggers in, trees uprooted, fairways wiped. Not just that hole. Good point. And yep. it's like months before the tournament starts and we're done. It's absolutely... And there's people playing that golf course right now. It's astonishing how quickly they can do it. That That's the first thing that whenever I see them doing some work, I just think, that is incredible. I mean, I know they've got all the money in the world and they've got all the technology and they've got the weather, but they also have quite a winter there sometimes. Oh, God, yeah. So I, I, I do find it quite amazing. They've got extreme elements, don't they? Yeah. Extreme heat throughout the summer and then yeah. it can get quite Unbelievable. Chilly. The only thing I'm not... I'm, I'll admit, I haven't read too much about it because we're going to wait and, well, I want to wait until we do our preview where we're going to ask some people there uh, who are much more knowledgeable than us and their opinion on it, but... I'm not sure whether they have taken away the old tea. 
because Augusta's quite funny with their tees. Y- you could actually walk across a tee and not know it was a tee, a teeing area, just because of the, the grass quality. You're actually not aware that it's a tee. It's very different from the UK where you have little tufts of grass that, mm. and the tees, you know, the grass is nice and short and it's not like that, Augusta. So when you look at the picture... I'm not convinced that they've taken away the OT, so I'm, I'm still not 100% sure, and they've said nothing, whether they're going to use that T. So we still don't know that yet. It could be a veiled threat. So Towards the RNA and USGA? Yeah, because the, the, bear in mind that they are on record as saying, Augusta, that if the USGA and the RNA don't make a change, they'll take it into their own hands. And that would be embarrassing for the RNA and the USGA to have Augusta Supremo stand there and say in April, well, you know, we've decided to take this into our own hands because the governing mm. bodies didn't. No one else is going to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that was a few some. years ago he said that. Yeah. So I think that's a... I like the RNA. I'm not a huge fan of the USGA. I don't think they're quite as open and transparent as the RNA would be. Certainly I don't think they've been in recent years... Whereas Martin Slumbers appears to be quite honest. Very much so. I think that would still be hugely embarrassing for the Augusta National to come out and say, we've had to do this because you've not dealt with the ball. I mean, it's taken such a long time, but we, mm. we did say that. I have said that before. Anyone that thinks changing the golf ball is going to be done within a few years has got their head in the clouds. That is not going to work like that. This could be a decade, potentially more than that, for anything to happen. So I'm not convinced that they're going to go bang, there's a T, and we're going to use it in 2023. I just wonder if they're playing a bit of regulation tennis Excuse with me. the USGA. We'll do. We'll sort our course if you change the regulations, and if you don't, we'll move a T, and then we'll right. do another T. Because they could go to another hole and change another hole next year yeah. and not use that. And it's almost as if they're able to turn around in 18 months and say, well, we can lengthen our golf course by 120 yards. And when we do it, we'll say why we did it. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a threat. However, they might just use it. And if they do, it'll be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because it's not clear from the picture. Well, two things. One, you're right. It's not clear if they've got rid of the old tea. And I think just retaining it isn't the worst thing in the world anyway. It's not a bad idea to have that because then you have the option if, for example, weather comes in or you just want to give players something different to think about one particular day, you have that ability to move the tee. I think that's that's that would be a broadly sensible approach. But that's one thing that's not totally clear. The other thing that's very hard to, to gauge from the pictures we've seen is just how much they've lengthened it by. Currently, that whole azalea is 510 yards. It's a short par five. It looks like they maybe have got it up to, what, five? 60-ish? Have they added 50 yards? Or have they added 80? Because that difference of 30 yards there would completely transform that golf hole. Yeah. It's hard to tell just the difference of it, but I think we were in the ballpark of people saying, yeah, it's it's between 40 and 60 yards, potentially, because there's got to be a little bit of ground behind the tee for them to have cameras and so on, which they've got, and, you know, the usual. But... It, it's looking like anywhere between 40 and 65 yards, but that's still a significant. If you stand on a golf course and, and walk 30 yards back on a par five, it makes quite a difference. So imagine walking 50 
to 60 yards further back or 40 yards further back. Yeah, well, I mean, the longest par five on the course just now is the second pink dogwood. That's 575 yards. Bear in mind, that's a long way downhill. Uh-huh. The 13th is not that. Yeah. But then, yeah, but then 13's got a dog leg and you can chop it off and it, it's just... Or can you? That's the yeah. other thing about it now with the trees and But that's the, the thing, the, the way the trees encroach, which again could be a trick of the camera, you don't know, but it looks like the trees do encroach on the left, which means you are having to hit it. A li- you're not really being allowed to cut the corner, but then you don't know what the ball flight's going to do from that tree that looks as though it's encroaching on the left. You can't quite tell that. But you're going to have to hit one hell of a drive to cut that corner from that new position. And I think that's quite risky. But a lot of people find themselves in the pines. Exactly. When they don't get the draw that they're needing. You made a great point last week when you said that it looked like what they're trying to do now is make you hit a better tee shot where you're turning the ball in the air later in Uh the ball flight. As if you're now being told you can't just hit a big sling and draw. You can't, or, you know, for a... The lefties, who obviously do very well in that hole, you can't just hook it massively around the corner. You're now going to need to hit a baby draw, a draw with a bit of control, that that five-yard draw at the end, which I think, you're right, it's a a much more skilled drive anyway, which is... It's a lot more more of a controlled drive. I think a lot of guys just stand up there and rattle it in Mm -hmm. the pines, and if it goes in the pines, if if it cut, if it draws, then fine, you're going to be okay. But that ball... You know, Ray's Creek will come into play if you're not quite far enough with your big hit over the trees. But I, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think that's really that possible. But it does open itself up to it. It, it puts a premium as the old what's the Bobby Jones? It's meant to be a momentous decision. Momentous decision. You're <laughs> not going to get in. You're not going to get in. I haven't said that. Slag, you're not allowed to slag off there. What is it? They, what's his, that was his position? The chairman in emeritus or something uh, like that. Perpetuity. 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 That was it. <laughs> we have no idea whether Bobby Jones spoke like that. Well, he didn't really. It wasn't that. That's who Jones, who T. Johnson impersonation we're giving away there. Yeah, a wee bit. You're going to need to put a good iron in there, yes. which is what Jones wanted. All about the second shot. All about the second shot. So the likelihood is, our, is you're going to be further away. But... It's still not that. I still don't think for the best players in the world, don't think it's that difficult a shot. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, quite a few players this year laid up anyway. So, will it make that much of a difference? I'm not sure. It's still a very. It depends what else they've done quite to a the risky hole. hole. Because you, as you said earlier, that. that T change isn't the only change they've made to the golf course. We have seen other Eureka Earth images that would imply that they've done some stuff with fairways. Yes. So if they've contoured that 13th fairway a little bit more. To run into Ray's Creek? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you could be hitting off a more of a, a more pronounced yeah. slope, subtle, for example. There, there, are, there are subtle changes incredible. I think they did that at 15 as well. Yeah. 15 now, yeah. there's, there's contour changes in the fairways run you into the trees, which cut you off. I think that happened to Molinari. I think there's things that they can do that can play with your mind. But, I mean, Augusta, you know, there'll be people that um, complain about changing one of the great golf courses because of the ball and so on. Like, mate, Augusta didn't look like that when it was built. No, it didn't. You go and look at pictures of Augusta when it was built, it looked nothing like that. Absolutely nothing like that. Well, there weren't many trees for a start. No, there weren't many trees, and there was rough all over the side of the greens. If you hit your ball short on 12, it was in the rough. You didn't roll into the water. So 
there's all sorts of changes that they've made through the years, which is, you know, pretty common with a lot of the big courses. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that we all love Augusta. Yeah. How many other golf courses, apart from perhaps the old course to be set for 25 minutes and talk about contours and a fair way, <laughs> as if it's important. But Augusta's just, it's just different. Well, Augusta's so, Augusta, isn't it? Yeah. I think a lot of the, the comments you're talking about there and, oh, don't touch it, comes from the fear or rather the memories of what they did back in the early part of the century, 2001, 2002, with the tiger proofing. That was revolution of the golf course. What we're seeing now, use the word subtle, I think that's quite right, is evolution. They're just making these little changes, these details that you might not, with the exception of tees being pushed back, you might not see them. For example, most of those fairways were reshaped a little in time for this year. Did anybody notice that or did they just talk about the new TR? Yeah, and also remember... So they're wh- really good at making changes when, that are significant but are hard to intuit when you're just yeah. watching TV. The other thing is, when they will have sat down to make this decision and say, right, we're going to do this at 13, guess what was happening at that point? You had the current world number one, Rory McIlroy right now, standing there saying, I'm going to hit the ball further. I'm going to get jacked up and I'm going to pretty much go down the Bryson DeChambeau route because it looks like there's going to be a revolution. That's the future. That's the future. Bryson said, this is it. I am going to basically blow golf courses away because this is the future. He's doing strength training. The guy started a YouTube channel to show his guns (laughs) and show how big he was. He started taking his top off in Instagram posts, started speed training. Rory McIlroy copied him. Yeah. And said, I'm going to do that as well. And we all went, holy shit, what is happening to golf? And at that point, it was that point Augusta will have sat and said, right, we're doing this. It's now happened to the the amount of planning that will go into that. And it looks as though Bryson's going, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. (laughs) And It's almost like a living protein shake today is unsustainable. Yeah, I know. And Rory said, yeah, I don't, uh, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't have been doing that. And I'm better off without doing it. And, they're so they've gone. They've got. Oh wait a minute! But why have we spent all this money? But in the long run, it might be a good idea because you never know where the sport's going. People do hit the ball further. Mm. We're more athletic. It's just the way the game is. It will be interesting to see if they use it. And I'm, I'm a geek. I, I can't wait to see what the camera angles look like from behind that new tee. It's already one of the most dramatic looking tees on the golf course. It's unique because fans can't get there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Whoa. Patrons can't get there. I just, I can't wait to see how it looks. Be fascinating. That's not the only change at Augusta. The par three course we're learning has been radically changed. Again, some pictures there from Eureka Earth. Controversial opinion alert. Part of me would rather play the par three course than the big course. Yeah, everyone says par three. I mean, I've I've been around a few of the holes at the par three and it's... I mean, have you, you've yeah. been around it. It's amazing. It's unreal, isn't it? There's obviously spots you can't get to, you know, because we've only been there during the tournament. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have said Par 3 had the better ground, which I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't quite agree with that. But it is spectacular when you stand mm-hmm. there and you look at, you stay, you just stand there and look at the what's in front of you, you think, that's unreal. It ruins every other Par 3 course for you, uh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You then, you go to a new golf club and it's like, and we've got a Par 3 course, and you're like, oh yes, <laughs> yes let's have a, oh, oh no, that's rubbish. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, Augusta, Augusta ruins every course. <laughs> That's like, you can't take Augusta, Augusta's not normal. You don't see any divots. There's no rough. It's clean. 
there's shopping at Gusta for food that you uh. can't see, you can't hear it. You go off the right hand side of the second fairway and you can slightly hear like, yeah, like, and you can hear mumbling and you think, what the hell is that? And you walk through the trees and there's a shop. Yeah. And you can't see it. You can't see it at all until you are right there. Uh-huh. And there's a few holes where you, you stand and you think, how the hell are they finding that yeah. green? Like the fourth tee, you think, how do they find the green off that tee? It's the most skillfully built and most incredibly maintained piece uh-huh. of golf property. It's, it doesn't, it's not real. And you stand, you walk, for the very first time, anyone goes to Augusta for the first time, so this is like an Augusta preview, <laughs> you go behind... Or in front of the 11th green and then stand behind the 12th tee and you look at what's in front of you, it, it doesn't seem real. It just looks like a picture. Mm-hmm. It looks like a postcard. It looks like a massive LED screen. Yeah, it's really hard to process what you're seeing. Uh-huh. And part of you wants to jump the rope and just run over <laughs> and see what it's like and touch <laughs> touch some of the azaleas and think, it's that kind of crazy place. Remember that thing that greenkeepers always used to say, you know, I'm fed up, people tell me why can't we have greens like Augusta and why, can't, why don't our fairways look like Augusta and stuff. It's just madness. No other golf course looks like that. Yeah. So there's no point in getting... You, you don't compare it. Yeah, first of all, you don't have sub air. Secondly, you don't have hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in the bank. Hundreds and hundreds of millions. <laughs> and the other thing is, you never, see a, a, you never see a lawnmower, you never see a single greenkeeper. That anywhere. I've never thought of that and before. That's mental. It's you, a good point. You don't see any greenkeeping sheds. And I've walked every inch of Augusta and I've looked at the maps and I, I think I can remember where they are. <laughs> Be, you think, where the hell are the tractors? It's like it's sucked into sky yeah. in an invisible alien ship and then they just <laughs> beam them down when they need to cut the fairways. It's so funny as well because like the Thursday morning... As, as media, you get in really early, like before the, the, the patrons do, before the, the patron gates open. You're there when it's pitch black because you want to see the ceremonial tee shot with the honorary starters, which, by the way, may not include Tom Watson next year. He had a go-kart accident yeah. on his farm in Kansas a couple of weeks ago, required emergency shoulder surgery. So best wishes to Tom, friend of Bunkered. We hope you get a speedy recovery. It'd be great to see him there. But yeah, you, you turn up. And I don't know, what time are you on property? Usually about seven-ish. You're right, you never see a tractor. You never see never a see anything. Like, what is going on? How, it's it's how absolutely do they bizarre. Do it? Right. It, is, it is a strange place in the nicest way. But it'll be very interesting to hear why, you know, Fred Ridley and his, and his team have, have made that change. Because yeah. they have to answer to it. Because there's a reason why they've done it. It's just be nice to hear him pontificate about yeah. it. Yeah, no doubt his press conference on Wednesday of the tournament next year is going to be wild. It's, it's, yeah, not to be missed. Before we move on into part two, Bryce, because we've got a, an interview with a very special guest that I want to get to. The Hero Cup taking place in January. We now know the teams for that event. So Great Britain and Ireland versus Continental Europe. You might know it better from days gone by. It's the Seve Trophy, but it is now the Hero Cup Taking place in Abu Dhabi, Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari are the team captains. And yesterday, the the teams were revealed for that. So I'll run through who's in Fleetwood's side. First of all, you've got Ewan Ferguson, Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Robert McIntyre, Seamus Power, Callum Shinkwin, Jordan Smith, Matt Wallace, and one more player, TBC. And in Molinari's continental team, you have Thomas Detry, Rasmus Hoygaard, 
Adrian Moronk, Guido Miliozzi, Alex Norin, Victor Perez, Thomas Peters, Sepp Straka, who has taken Tiger's place in the hero field, and again, one more player who is still TBC. Lots of things that we could take away from this, but I think one thing that is abundantly clear to me, Bryce, is that it's got a, a little bit of a little bit of experience in there in, in the form of or Ryder Cup experience I should say because that's what this is all about in the form of Shane Lowry Alex Norin and Thomas Peters obviously on top of the, the captains that are there apart from that though this is a really inexperienced group of players in terms of match play golf massively yeah and it's hard not to think there's how many players there 18 if you take away the captains I'm going to say I I think the way things are going, and assuming that the live lawsuit doesn't fall in favour of the established guys like Garcia and Poulter, well, Garcia's obviously not playing, but doesn't fall in favour of Poulter and McDowell and Westwood, I reckon seven or eight of those guys will be in the final European team this year. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, there's no doubt about that. And I think that's why they're having this. Obviously trying to encourage a bit more bonding between the players. But to be honest, does the European team really need... Bonding, I don't think, the only thing that they, we've ever heard from backroom stuff that no one would want really public is that maybe the only bonding that the team needs is between the players and the captain. Yep. don't think there's much bonding between the players. They all seem to get on. I mean, I'm not saying Rory's got a big ego, but Rory's a big star and he's, he gets on fine with his teammates. Mm-hmm. He's well respected. So I don't think... Um, I don't think there's any issue there. I just think it's a good thing to bring them together because, it, as you say... I think the the guts of the European team is staring you in the face. It's just which one. But I, I like the look of it. I think there's there's a lot of foreign talent there. And there's, the good thing for Europe is there's a lot of young foreign talent Very there. true, yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, options there. I think it's great for the Brits. There's a few options. <laughs> Interesting that Matt Wallace is there. Yeah, he's had a strange year, Matt. I mean, yeah. he was struggling even just to keep his card yeah. in, in the summer there. I saw his agent at the Scottish Open and... Things weren't looking particularly rosy, but no. I said to him at the time, it's like, Matt's too good a player not to turn it around. He's, he wants it so badly that he'll find a way, and sure enough, he has, and now he's back in the reckoning for what looks like back in the reckoning for a Ryder Cup spot. Potentially, yeah. But the, the, that's what these, these events do. You've got, to put your, you've got to put yourself forward. So it's a great opportunity for Bob as well. Yeah, you know? unquestionably. I mean, this is the Seve Trophy. Let's, let's not kid anybody on and let's not pretend otherwise. It's the Seve Trophy in all but name. And I think, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm patting myself in the back here, but I kind of am. After Whistling Straits, I said I thought we needed to bring that back. The fact that we didn't have it, I, I believe, was detrimental to us because that had been the proving ground, not just for guys like, people forget, Rory McIlroy played in, in the Seve Trophy, not just for guys like him and Westwood and Poulter. It was also a great place for captains just to get a handle on what it's like to be a captain without this Luke Donald's first captaincy experience would be the week of the Ryder Cup potentially yeah but it's hard for um, and you know a lot of players didn't want to play Seve Trophy that that was the thing it was a too too busy a schedule at that time but I'm not sure, sure this is and I wonder how much this counts towards DP World rankings and so on is it a nice one to tick off I don't know as in this is one of your counting events yeah I'm sure there will be benefits to it but look always think it's a good thing to be involved in that if you want to be in the team when they're handing out wild cards yeah. this is always the thing that you should show an interest 
that's the one thing that killed Russell Knox's opportunity for Spot the Ryder on. Cup is that he didn't want to play in an extra event. He thought he'd done enough. And the Eurocamp were like, actually, no, not convinced by that. Mm-hmm. I think your dedication to the cause means a lot. 100%. You see that last week with Ryan Fox saying that he was pissed off that he didn't get a spot in the International's President's Cup team. Like, well, you can't be that pissed off, Ryan. You know, you, you were relying on a pick. The only way to have any certainty to is to qualify. Yeah. Then it's up to the captain. And look, Ryan Fox didn't have much experience of playing in the States. Mm-hmm. How committed was he to going in? Did he look at Quail Hollow beforehand? Don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm led to believe that he maybe didn't show full commitment. Uh, these these things are all about mixing with your potential teammates, and I think a lot of it will be to gauge what type of character somebody is. Because the Ryder Cups, you need to spend a whole week with somebody. Yeah, we've since found out that they weren't a huge fan of um, Phil. You know, some of the players were a wee bit, uh, and then the Patrick Reed element came in. He wasn't hugely popular with his teammates, and sometimes these think these these events give the captains and the backroom team a much better understanding of what they could potentially be working with, whether the result means anything or not. But it looks like quite a good event. It does. Looking forward to watching it. I, I did enjoy watching the Seve Trophy. Its place in the schedule wasn't great. It was usually September October time, but January a nice way to kick off the year. Fully expecting to see Shane Lowry and Seamus Power partner one another. And forgive me for sticking on some tartan paint here, but great to see three Scots in the lineup: Ewan Ferguson, Bob McIntyre, and Victor Perez. So, yeah, yeah, you weren't paying attention at all. Victor right? Perez, yeah. Why is that? Because he lives in Dundee. Shall we move on to the break? (laughs) (laughs) Right, coming up in part two, very special interview with a remarkable young man, George Blackshaw. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to tell you more about it after the break, but trust me, you want to stick around for this. To create an iron that performs like nothing else, you need to build it like no one else has. So we constructed the new Rogue ST irons with a high strength 450 AI face cup, doubled its tungsten weighting for optimal launch, and added even more urethane microspheres for exceptional feel and sound. Every aspect of Rogue ST has been precision tuned to create our longest iron ever. The new Rogue ST irons from Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back, part two of this week's Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Bryce, Michael, quick question. Go for it. Do you have your tux all looked out? Uh, I'm not wearing a tux. Oh, I don't like. I don't like a tux. And I, I don't think I look particularly sexy in a tux. Because that's what matters. Yeah, because my tux, I think, cost... I think my tux cost about forty pounds. Because <laughs> I have exceptionally. You get what you pay for. Yeah, you get what you pay for. I have, I'm not going to say where I got it from, but yeah, I have exceptionally long arms. <laughs> <laughs> I have exceptionally long arms and 36 inch legs. Oh, so Giacomo. Getting right. a okay. getting a tux to fit is not easy. That's you know a nice a nice modern fit. Shall we say, Michael? So no, mm-hmm. I'm not wearing that. I'm just going to wear uh, going to wear my golf gear. <laughs> well, of course. What are you referring to, Sorry, Michael? Yes, I'm referring to the PPA Scotland Awards taking place in Edinburgh tomorrow night at Dynamic Earth. Where is that? Edinburgh. No, I, I, mm-hmm. I gathered that yeah. way about it. When you said Edinburgh, I kind of knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no idea. I think it's down near the Scottish Parliament building. I where's, think. That? where's that? <laughs> Do you know where the castle is? 
In the meadow, it's the big yep. thing on the hill. That's it. Yeah, yeah big old building. I have no idea. So no. you just walk straight down that cobbled street called the Royal Mile, and I think you eventually get to it. I have sat of it. You have no idea about Edinburgh. It's hilarious. No, I really don't. But uh, yeah, so tomorrow night, Wednesday night, as you listen to this, you'll you'll probably know if we've won or lost. But we're up for five different awards at the PPA Scotland Awards this year, including Podcast of the Year, where we are one of two shortlisted, and the other one is hosted by Jackie Bird. Which I think we've mentioned before. So I got a chance. Jackie, we love you to bits. But you're Scottish royalty. You're you're just I hate using the word because it's overused, but you are a bit of a legend. But Hope you lose. Yeah. Feel sorry for her already. Uh, we're looking for what's our bird pod- tears. What's her podcast bird tears? What's her podcast on? It's called Love Scotland and it's made by the National Trust for Scotland. And Jackie Bird, I think, is the host of it. I haven't listened to it yet, but you know what? I'm going to before we go, because I want to hear what we're up against. And, you know, as I said, I do have a wee soft spot for Jackie Bird. So, yeah, podcast of the year we're up for. Your good self up for editor of the year, Bryce. I'm up for columnist of the year. Bunkered Live is up for event of the year. And our Tiger Woods cover. Issue one nine five, I think, is up for cover of the year. And that was a public vote. If you voted in that, thank you very much indeed. And we'll let you know next week how we got on. If there's no pod, it's because we're completely scunnered. We didn't come home with a single bit of silverware. Yeah, that would be horrendous, wouldn't it? Imagine getting up for five and coming over with nothing. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, but yeah, that's a free dinner. That's a free dinner, exactly right. Well, yeah, well, yeah it's a free dinner. Well, technically, it's not really. We had to pay for the tickets. Yeah, yeah, true. Other news from Bunkered HQ this week. It's getting closer to Christmas. By the time you listen to this, it may well be December. Our advent calendar is back once again, prize a day, every day between December the 1st and December 24th. And trust me when I say this, this year's advent calendar is off the charts good. We're giving away over £5,500 worth of golf gear. You've got trolleys, you've got bags, you've got shoes, you've got range finders. White belts? No white belts. No, I, I, I made sure they got your memo. No yellow golf balls either, as far as I'm aware. Nothing wrong with yellow golf balls. Definitely no iron head covers. 100% not. It's amazing the amount of tweets I get about iron head covers. So, yeah, loads of amazing prizes and a chance to win every single day for 24 days. Head to bunkered.co.uk forward slash advent. All we need is your name and email address, and it doesn't cost you a penny. You don't even need to answer a question, and you enter all those competitions every single day. So good luck with that. Okay, as mentioned before the break, we do have a very special guest now. I spoke to him yesterday, an incredible young man called George Blackshaw. George is a double amputee. He lost an arm and a leg when he was only 15 months old in a frankly quite horrific lawnmower accident. But he hasn't let it stand in his way. In fact, George has become an exceptional golfer and now takes part in a number of EDGA, disability golf events, and he's doing so with some success. He's also just partnered with American Golf on their brand new campaign. So I thought, you know what, it's time to speak to George, find out a little bit about the challenges that he's had to overcome and his hopes and aspirations for what he might go on to achieve in the game. George, welcome to the Bunkered Podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you for your time. It's it's a funny time of year, this, isn't it? Everything seems to be winding down. People are getting excited for Christmas and all that sort of stuff. Are you a big Christmas person? Is that something that's huge in the Blackshaw household? 
Um, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, it's a bit frustrating with um, golf at this time of year. It's a bit bit up and down uh, with the weather and everything. But um, yeah, we're actually going to Australia this year for Christmas, which no will be amazing. Way. Yeah, my um, eldest, eldest brother lives out there, so we're going over to see him. Oh, what? That'll be fantastic. It'll be roasting as well. So Yeah, a warm Christmas is going to be interesting, but um, <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to it and uh Gonna get some, gonna get some golf out there as well. I think. Oh, glad to hear it. What's the world coming to, George? You know, warm Christmases, winter World Cups, strange times that we live in. But look, I'm delighted that you you've joined us, and I think the timing's really good as well because you've just started this new partnership with American Golf. Tell us a little bit about that, what it involves, and the background to it, if you would. Yeah. Um. So over the last couple of years, basically, um, I've been involved in American Golf doing like different, you know, media campaigns with them. And um, yeah, it's been it's been really exciting on my part. And um, yeah, recently signed as an offic- official ambassador for them, which is, you know, something that I never thought I would, I would do. Um, but it's amazing. And it's just uh, so good that they're supporting, um, you know, disability golf and raising awareness of it, really. Yeah, absolutely. And this new Behind Every Golfer campaign that you mentioned there, it's a really, really good worthy message and a worthy cause for them to be supporting what does it mean to have the backing of a a huge brand like american golf a a nationwide brand that all golfers are really familiar with what does it mean to you and the rest of the the team if you like in the disability golf arena to have that support um yeah it's it's absolutely fantastic like you say the behind every golfer campaign is it's such a, a clear message and you know there's you know there's so many golfers out there so many different people that play golf and yeah as a disability golfer I'm just so excited to um yeah be part of it and you know like I say raise awareness and try and inspire others to get into the game and I know there's um Brendan Lawler as well um who's with American Golf and yeah we've we've had conversations just saying how amazing it is that you know we can you know try and act as role model for those younger people that are disabled because I was a bit you know I was a bit like that when I was younger you kind of in your own mind, you don't think you can do stuff. So if I, if I can inspire other kids that are disabled to be like, oh, I can play golf, then yeah, that, that's my job done, really. Absolutely. Well said. Now, you are a, a double amputee for those listening who are maybe unfamiliar with your story. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I speak as a, a parent of a, a five-year-old girl, it's, it's quite a, a tragic, horrible set of circumstances that, that, that led to you losing your limbs. Could you maybe explain for people exactly what it was that happened yeah sure um so when i was 15 months old um i was involved in a lawnmower accident and uh, lost my right arm and right leg so yeah that's what happened and i always say that i'm kind of fortunate that it happened when i was younger because i've adapted to life with it mm. and obviously being so young I, I can't really remember it so but yeah that's that's how, how i've ended up so what were the circumstances where you were you just playing in, you know, your your back garden? I presume just as a as an infant does, just rolling around. I mean, it 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 sounds absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I think uh, obviously at fifteen months, you you're a bit oblivious to everything. I think mm. I just ran out ran out in the garden, and obviously, uh, yeah, unfortunate timing. But um, yeah, my my disability has brought about so many amazing opportunities. So um, yeah, I'm very very thankful for that. Yeah, I imagine it must have had a a real toll on your parents at that time. As you say, you know, quite rightly, you don't remember it. You were 15 months old. Why, mm-hmm. why would you? But I guess for your parents, it must have been a, a terrible shock and a big adjustment to have to make in the, in the household. 
Yeah, um, it was it was a big adjustment for them, and think like you say, it was more of a more of a shock for them than it probably was for me. Um, and considering the age I was at, but um, yeah, I've got I've got three brothers, and uh, which has helped growing up. And yeah, I'm lucky that my parents are just kind of treating me the same as them. And yeah, yeah, having the three brothers has been amazing because you know they kind of don't treat me any differently. Mm. You know, take the take the mick out of me at times. But um, yeah, I'd probably say for my parents it was harder. It was harder for them than me, actually. How important is it to have that that kind of sibling mentality where they don't treat you any differently, they still will take the mick? Because that's what you want, right? Isn't it? You want as much normalcy as you can possibly have, I presume. Yeah, completely. Uh, that was so important. Yeah, and friends at school as well were exactly the same, you know. And that's what I'd like to be treated as. I don't like to be treated as any different, and I'm sure that's the same as a lot, a lot of disabled people, but at the end of the day, you know, I, people ask, oh, you need help with this, you need help with that, but I, I don't see it in a, in a bad way. They're just trying to help and be nice. But, um, yeah, like you say, you, you just want to be treated normally. So golf, where and when did that start to figure on your radar? So I've always been into my sports um, since I was a young age. Um, and having three brothers, we always used to play on the football on the garden and stuff like that. <laughs> and then it got to about, 13 14 and my dad played and my two older brothers and i was like oh i want to give this a go didn't think i had a chance at first and uh, went down to driving range a couple of times and yeah really enjoyed it and that's basically where it started i mean it's hard enough for those of us who don't have a disability to put a good swing on it half the time and my goodness it's it's a difficult enough sport but when you do have to factor in what you have to factor in and the concessions that you have to make Talk me through some of the, the, the things that you have to consider that other people don't. Yeah, I'd like to say at first with only the one arm, I was I didn't really know how I was how I was gonna do it, but um it's helped um as I've grown up and gained more strength um in my arm. Um and yeah, I play I have my I only have my left arm, but I play as a right handed golfer, if that makes sense. And at the time I felt like that gained more control and more power. And then obviously with my right leg amputee it's hard to get through the ball so i'm quite quite good at using my hips for that i see so i'm trying to figure this so you hold it in your your left arm but as you say you you swing as if you are a right-handed player so pretty much pulling the club back across your body as opposed to throwing it out away is that right yeah so i play like a right-handed wood but with my left hand so um yeah it's it's, it's been fun it's been um challenging but yeah i've been i've been determined and um, to uh overcome the challenges and obviously i don't think anyone will ever crack golf but um, yeah, i'm happy i'm happy i'm happy with where, where i am at the moment you mentioned your family support which is huge but what about coaches and people at golf clubs and golf courses what sort of support have you had there yeah so i had um, a golf coach from when i started when i first started and unfortunately he's passed away now but um yeah he was just incredible and he was actually quite clever because he in, in the end he learned to, to teach me my own swing so I kind of knew, you know, if I hit bad shots, what I was doing wrong. But um, yeah, he was so brilliant. And I've just, jo- well, I've, I joined a golf club now four years ago. And, you know, all the members there and everyone been fantastic supporting me, uh, Delamere Forest in Cheshire. Um, so, yeah, it's been been a fantastic support. And, yeah, can't say anything else about that. Obviously, you know, you get the odd member coming up and saying how inspiring it is and how amazing it is. Um, and yeah, I had a, an elderly gentleman actually come up to me the other day who's had some problems with his arm. 
he's had to have a part of it fused and he came up to me and said, you know, he, I was going to give up golf and you've inspired me to get back playing, which, uh, yeah, it was a really nice touch and just just things like that, and, you know, make, make it all worthwhile, really. Do you think of it as inspiring, George? I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but to you, it's all you know and all you've, crucially, all you've ever known. So does it just feel like day-to-day, very normal kind of thing to do? Or do you appreciate and understand why other people are inspired by it? Yeah, it's, like you say, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll hit I'll hit a bad shot and I'll be frustrating myself or play a bad round of golf and I'll walk off the course. My dad will be like, you do realise you've got one arm and one leg. You, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do everything perfect. But yeah, over the last couple of years and, you know, starting my Instagram page and playing in disability events, I, I've not realised it's inspiring, but I've realised that I can... I can inspire others and that's not as a role model sort of thing, but I can definitely raise awareness of it. And like I said before, you know, if kids who are disabled, who are younger, don't think, oh, I, I can't play that, then, I, you know, I'm, I'm there to show them that they can do it and, you know, nothing's impossible. Yeah, social media is so important in that, isn't it? I mean, it must be so good for you as well just to connect with other people who have similar issues and, you know, things to overcome that you do. Yeah, social media has been amazing and, and like, the community you, you get from it and the people you meet and, like you say, the people who message you and, um, you know, I've had uh, people that have messaged me and say, oh, you know, not just got into golf but you inspire me to get back into the gym or, um, you know, back into playing tennis or just, yeah, just little stuff like that and um, it's been amazing. The EDGA has been, I think it's something that people are a lot more familiar with now than we maybe were even a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. It's growing in stature and standing all the time. How important is that for you? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely huge. And uh, yeah, I've only been playing um, about a year and a half now on the events. Um, but just being involved as I have, like, the people you meet is just to have that community of you know disabled people and people of all different types of disabilities and playing and the way that they adapt to the game is just fantastic and the laugh that you have is it's been brilliant and like you say it's only growing and growing and I hope it hope it'll uh, grow further in the future. You recently played for England or were selected to play for England in the Disability Nations Cup tell us about that what's that like? Yeah that was um, very very surreal <laughs> um, yeah, to, to play to play for your country was uh, amazing, and yeah, eight of us got chosen to go out to Belgium to play um, for England. It was the first time that England golf have um, supported a team that have been out there. So to be the first one to do it was uh, absolutely amazing, and you know to go out there with seven other dis- disabled people that got on with so well, and also inspiring. And like you say, the, the whole tournament just walking around the course and wherever you look, there was people with disabilities playing and the standard of golf was just fantastic. But yeah, a week a week I'll never forget. And obviously you've played in the Aramco Team Series event with the, the Ladies European Tour. You've been involved in that. Standard's pretty good on the LAT, is it not? Yeah, no, I was absolutely <laughs> blown away at how good they were. And um, yeah, that experience, um, that whole week, to be honest, I was there and, you know, doing, had... On one day, I had Anna Nordquist as my caddy for three or four holes. You had Anna Nordquist, a major champion, as your caddy. What was that like? Yeah, that it was a uh, very, very surreal. We were meant to be playing um, three or four holes together for some footage, and uh, her clubs 
never arrived from her flight from America. So she ended up caddying for me, which was, yeah, very cool. And yeah, that whole week was amazing. And at such a, you know, special golf club like Centurion. What did Anna tell you? Did she give you any good advice, any pointers? Um, yeah, she gave me some uh, good advice, mainly around my short game, actually. Do yeah, tell. She, she was saying, <laughs> we all need some short game help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still need some now as well. But um, no, she was... <laughs> She, she was just telling me how she actually practices sometimes with one arm herself. Right. Um, okay. And just, you know, just maintain that. I feel like it's a bit of a pendulum. Because um, I, I was, on my putting especially, I was a bit too wristy with it. So um, just making you've got like a, you know, you're using your shoulder more to put with basically. But um, yeah, it was hard to take it all in. So I was a bit, a bit starstruck. You, you mentioned you're chipping her one-handed, for example, are there things that you have to do strength and conditioning wise that make the game, I'm not going to say easier for you, but make you better suited to compete with the other players? Because everyone's getting fitter and stronger at all levels now and the EDGA is no different. Yeah, I do go to the gym, um, have a personal trainer um, twice a week um, and I have done for the last two years or so. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just fantastic. Like you say, building up strength, flexibility, core work, um, it's, it's, I feel like it's helped my game massively and yeah, I go to the physio as well because the problem is I'm so one-sided because I've, I've got a left arm and left leg so basically I just use my left side the whole time so I get a bit lob, get a bit lopsided but um, yeah, I do, I do do a lot of work to try and you know, make sure I don't get a bad back and stuff like that or, or a bad shoulder because you know, playing tennis, playing golf with your left arm, it gets a bit sore. Tell people a little bit more about the EDGA if you could just before we move on because I think it's important to point out just how big and competitive a circuit it now is. So it's a disability tour. It's the European Disabled Golf Association, which actually has events all over the world. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could probably play an event every week. Um, they have events over in Australia, New Zealand. But yeah, it's it's a tournament which, not a tournament, it's a series which you know promotes disabled golf Disabled golfers can get involved, any type of disability, any type of handicap, just different categories. And it's just like a fantastic way to be competitive. And like I said before, if anything, it's more the community that you meet there. The people, you know, are just fantastic and it's so inspiring. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far and I've only been part of it for just over a year. So yeah, you know, if if anyone's disabled um, and wants to give it a go and, you know, you can, if you've you know, 40 handicap, one handicap, you can get involved. It's it's brilliant. And like you say, it's, it's grown and growing and the, the players on it are just such a high standard. Yeah, and you can see just how much it's growing as well. I mean, the, the launch of the G4D Tour, for example, uh, the Golf for Disabled, it, that was, I think, a really important moment in, mm. the, in, in the DP World Tour's history, if you like, as much as, as disability golf. I think it was really important to create some synchronicity there and, to see Rasmus Leah, for example, standing alongside Rory McIlroy, John Ram in Dubai just a couple of weeks ago, receiving his prize, that's huge for disability golf, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Like you say, playing on the same course as them guys and being recognised and, you know, being on Sky Sports, you know, I think a few of them got interviewed and they're showing highlights of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you wouldn't, four or five years ago, you, you wouldn't see that and you know, the growth has been fantastic. And for me, yeah, seeing that as a disabled golfer is just so inspiring. And like I say, I hope it inspires others to get into the game of golf. 
Yeah, and you're seeing that across sports now as well, aren't you? I mean, the Paralympic movement has been completely transformed, certainly in the last maybe two or three Olympic cycles. You've got the Invictus Games, for example, that Prince Harry's been so involved in. And it just feels that there's real momentum around disability sport at the moment in a way that I can't remember in my lifetime. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, it's brilliant to see. And, yeah, you know, I switched on the TV the other morning and it was the wheelchair rugby league final. And, you know, it's the coverage it's getting now and the way it's talked about is it's fantastic. And like I say, I mean, I'm only doing a small part, but, yeah, I hope to, you know, raise awareness of it, and yeah, the, the other, the pe- you know, people around the world that are doing such things, and yeah, it's fantastic to see. I'm re- really proud of it. It feels like we're at a, a quite a unique moment just now, where there's a greater sense of the need for inclusion and for the, I think the the ability to give certainly kids and young people the opportunity to to see themselves represented on TV, whatever their background might be, whatever their race or age or ethnicity or gender, sexuality, even disability, I think it's so important for everyone to feel represented. Do you feel that we're getting to a place now where that message is finally beginning to get through to people? Yeah, um, I definitely think so. I definitely think there's been an improvement. Obviously, uh, still think there's a long way to go. But yeah, I mean, the strides it's made, raising awareness of all things really has been, you know, fantastic. And yeah, I mean, you know, just companies like, like I said before, American Golf just raising awareness of it and, you know, getting people like me and Brendan Lawler involved and the fact that they're so happy and supportive and, you know, raising awareness of inclusivity is, yeah, it's it's been really amazing, um, you know, the people that have supported me so far and just raised aware, you know, raised awareness of how supportive they will be. And you're quite right, though, to say that there's still a long way to go. There's more that can be done. What do you think golf needs to do next to to improve things for disability golfers? Or what can the sport do? It's a difficult question because I think a lot of the time it's it's resources, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the, what they're doing now and, you know, the G4D playing on playing alongside some of the biggest tournaments on, on the uh, European stage, um, you know, Valderrama, um, like I say, Dubai the other day, it's difficult and I think more and more associations are finding out that it has to start um, from the bottom. It has to start at the grassroots, you know, getting those disabled golfers involved. Um, I went, played over in Ireland um, in the summer and, you know, they were having like a what you, um, a free session for like, you know, disabled golfers and there was five or six that came along. And I think just getting the, getting the youngsters involved is, is one way to start it and then, you know, if you start golf when you're young, it's, it's a positive, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. It opens up so many doors for you as well as, as you're experiencing just now. I've got to ask, bucket list golf courses. We've all got, I know I certainly do, have a massive list of golf courses that I'd like to play. So where have you got on your list? Yeah, good question. I I absolutely love Lynx golf. So I'd love to play Port Rush over in Ireland and then went, luckily enough went to the Open this year so and, and just like walking around St Andrews was very special so yeah I'd have to say St Andrews but we've, we've actually got um, a disabled golf tournament in St Andrews this year not on the um, it's on the Eden course I think around there so yeah very excited for that. Will that be your first time playing in St Andrews or any of the golf courses? Yeah it will be we went to the Open this year and luckily enough we were we played Gullen 2 on the way up, which was very nice. 
yeah, that was a pro- proper linked test. But yeah, I'd have to say, I'd have to say them too. What's next for you, George? What are the the plans, the ambitions, the goals in this game? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, I'm I'm shocked at you know the last two years I've had some incredible experiences and you know becoming an ambassador for American golf. I never thought thought I'd, I'd do that, and it's been amazing. They've supported me. I'd obviously like to play more um, EDGA events. You know, I'm, I'm quite competitive, so I'd like to, <laughs> you know, improve improve my results. And um, but yeah, like I say, I mean, social media has been such an important role, and just raising awareness of it, and you know, just partnering. I don't know, maybe you know, raising awareness to brands and stuff like that. And I'm sure my partnership with American Golf will will hopefully do that. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of playing more EDG events, is that funding really sponsorship? Are those the kind of things that are required? Yeah, um, they are. Luckily, I've got a, a law firm in Manchester that's supporting me um, called Field Fisher. So they're um, very kindly sponsoring me for next season, which will be, you know, amazing. And yeah, I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, that, that's another thing, you know, as well. Uh, you know, a lot of these disabled golfers that on these tours they don't have the funding and the support and there's you know there's, there's no prize money or anything like that so you know maybe, maybe that's the next step for disabled golf yeah it'd be a very good one as well without a shadow of a doubt before we finish up what would your message be to any young kid or the parent aunt uncle grandparent whatever it might be of a young kid who has some disabilities or is facing challenges who might be interested in giving golf a go what, what's your message to those people yeah, um, I just say give it a go. Just try it. I I was exactly like that. I didn't think I could do it. Still can't do it that well. <laughs> oh, I don't know but, about that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, nothing's impossible if you put your mind to it. You give it enough practice. I mean, I mean, I the first ten or fifteen times I went to driving range, I I couldn't even hit the ball. So it takes a lot of practice. But yeah, you know, nothing's impossible. Just give it a go, and yeah, I'm sure you'll absolutely love it. Yeah, never give up. Great message. Well said. George, thank you so much for your time. All the very best for the future. Please keep in touch with us. Let us know how you're getting on. And for anyone who's interested in following George's journey, you can get him on Instagram. He is the amputee golfer, a great follow as well. So I do recommend you go and check him out. For now, George, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Huge thank you to George. What an inspiring, incredible young man. And yeah, the world's his oyster at this moment in time. And I think he, he spoke really passionately there, Bryce, about the, the need for greater coverage, greater support, and uh, frankly, greater awareness of the disability sport movement. We are seeing that a little bit with the Paralympics, but I think more can be done to shine a light on these incredible people because, let's face it, they're doing remarkable things. Yeah, I think that is quite amazing. I think uh, England golf have done quite a lot with uh, disability golf, made it, uh, made it competitive and given them the opportunity to play on a, a mainstream platform, I suppose you would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I absolutely agree. His story is unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. So thank you to George for his time. As I said in the interview, if you want to follow him on social media, you can catch him. He's the amputee golfer on Instagram. He is a genuinely really good follow. Okay, Bryce Potter of Merit. It feels a bit strange just now. The yeah, there's really not much point in doing it, to be honest. There's no consequences here. No, I, I don't know why we even bothered. Me neither. But you know what? It's getting to that time of year. There's only a couple episodes left before Christmas. It feels like 
We're just ticking a box. We're just ticking boxes here, ladies let's, and gentlemen. Like, but let, we don't do that in this podcast. Let's not tick a box, so let's just sod it. Wait a minute. I've just remembered. What did we agree we were going to do with the last episode of this year? Uh, I was going to present it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, God knows how that's going to work out. So that's only yeah, been, yeah. that's what, is that going to be next week or the week after? I week guess after, the week after. I'll not be doing it next week. Have you prepared at all? Uh, nah, I'll just make it up as a go along. <laughs> don't, don't, need, don't need to prepare for this. It's not that difficult. Oh, I, watch, I watch you do it every week. That's because I make it look so easy. Don't yeah, think maybe, I don't maybe. have notes sitting here. Maybe, yeah. Put it this way. There's one of us sitting here with a laptop and there's one that's not. There's one of us sitting with a mixing desk I remember when I turned up for a laptop. I remember when I turned up my laptop and you slagged me off. I know. Then I realised it was quite a good way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Might put in for some training for you with the pure radio crew that are sitting through through the window here it's not Robin required. Galloway and his team maybe they can help sort you out with some it's presenting tips it's not required okay you still up for it? Uh, yes brilliant okay <laughs> do you know how all these controls work? no because you'll be doing that nope if oh, you present if you present you do the presenter's job well you just press the big red button and then on we go you know about the volume controls and so on yeah it's fine I'll just take a picture of it <laughs> uh, and then you're editing it as well by the way that's fine Podder of merit. Let's return to that. Last week, the Australian PGA Championship, the fortunate Australian PGA Championship, won by Cam Smith, who hasn't moved a single jot on the world rankings. And the thing, the, the thing is, should he move? Mm. The field had, what, how many Australians in it? Yeah, but... 80? Yeah, well, uh, look, he still won a a tournament on the European slash DP World Tour, I think that merits some kind of movement. Unless we're now just admitting that the DP World Tour and some of those events aren't significant. I think we've already said that. Mm -hmm. I think your world ranking points dictate the field. They should come from the strength of the field. And that field was not as strong. It's just a fact. But no movement that at all for winning an event. Had he finished that, fifth or sixth or seventh, fine. But yeah, but that doesn't really, you know, the world ranking points that they get for small field events in the PGA Tour, yeah, the fields are good, but there's hardly anyone playing. So how do they get such high world ranking points? I think that's what people are annoyed about. Yep. There's a bit ifs and buts and a, a lot of water bootery. <laughs> a lot of concessions have been made. To the I, PGA I, I know that I've seen water bootery coming out in mainstream media down south now, and it annoys me because that's a Glasgow football term. What about today? Well, we own that term and they've stolen it. Yeah. That's what an English football term. Explain in case there's anyone listening to this that doesn't understand what you're on about. Well, it's just, you know, uh, let's say something happens with, and I'm going to use it in this context, that Celtic fans have done something and Celtic fans are getting grief for it and then Celtic fans will say, but what about Rangers fans doing this? You know, but what about today? Got you. And it's been prevalent in Scottish football for years. And it's, we own it. Waterbootery is licensed to our division and English football have stolen it. But once again, Scottish football fails to capitalise on a decent product. It hasn't trademarked that expression. Yes. Because if it had, that would be worth more than the rubbish TV deal that they've just ah. signed. So, yeah. Well yeah, done, not, lads. It's not right. Well done, the Beaks, the Blazers. Once again, you've shot yourselves in the foot. So I don't think you're going to get a job at Scottish football anytime soon. This week, Bryce, two events on the DP World Tour. Again, I know why they're doing it. 
doesn't make much real sense to have events competing with one another. Anyway, you have the ISBS Handa Australian Open at Kingston Heath. Phenomenal looking golf course. And the Investec South African Open Championship at Blair Athol Golf and Equestrian Estate. Blair Athol. Not that Blair Athol. The other Blair Athol. The other Blair Athol, yes. Investec, Bryce, spotlight on the sponsor. What do they do? What do you think well, they do? I suspect it's something to do with like technology shares or something like that. Investec, financial services company. Yes. Shock go. horror. Shock horror. ISBS Handa. They are... ISBS Handa. Are do you know what it stands for? International... Yes. Special... No. Procurement... No. Association. S. I, I don't know. ISPS. I thought it was ISP, something else. What, what is it? <laughs> International Sports Promotion Society. A Japanese non-profit organisation known for its sponsorship of golf tournaments worldwide, including the PGA Seniors Championship and LPGA Women's Australian Open. It's a member of the Tokyo Sports Association. Now you know. Yeah. So, I don't know why I'm talking about either of those because we're not doing... Order for those. We're doing it for the Hero World Challenge. I was going to pick Tiger Woods and I ain't. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I haven't done results for last week yet. That shows just how important Podder of Merit is in the off-season. Australian PGA. Sorry, Bryce, you had Rasmus Hoygaard finished in a tie for 57th and I went for Dreamboat, Adam Scott, Tie for 28th. Frankly, a really rubbish week. Yeah, rubbish week. And I'm We're not, better than I'm that. I'm not a big fan of his his, uh, his hair. He's cut his hair quite short. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Has he? Yeah. Clearly, you didn't watch any of it. Too busy gazing into his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the haircut. Mm, oh, well. Was he still wearing beige last week? Yeah. yeah. Must be a bet or something like that. Anyway, yes. This week, Hero World Challenge. So... I guess it's my honour. If you want it, you can have it. I'm I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm not fussed. Justin Thomas. Call him Morikawa. <laughs> Let's move Honesty on. Honesty box. <laughs> <laughs> Is Morikawa playing, really? Yeah. Right, okay. Just got married at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Did you get invited? No. Me neither. I think that'll be an interesting one to see how that goes. What's not the, the wedding of the career. Well, yes. Yeah. Marriage can have an impact on players. Would you want change. your... Would you want your... Um, Wedding pictures all over the internet for everyone to see. No, not particularly. I don't know. But then again, I didn't have a commercial partnership where you know, it was part of the deal that I had to share them. Is that what he has? Don't know. You just made that up totally. Didn't you? But I know that's how it works for some people. Like, yeah, we're not going to share like our Madonna. pictures. In the first place, yeah, the first place you see it's Hello Magazine. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't do a deal with Hello. No, did you no. do it? Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of okay, you're an all right. <laughs> oh. Was there not a magazine called Hire? No idea. I think there was. Okay. You can look that up and I'll talk a bit more about marriage because it's been a year for weddings in professional golf. Dustin Johnson, obviously, and Polina tied the knot. I believe that Justin Thomas tied the knot a couple of weeks ago with Jordan Spieth as his best man. Again, surprised that you weren't there, Bryce. Scotty Scheffler, is he either engaged or did he get married? Yeah, there's and, a, uh, there is a Hire magazine, see, I told you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That That's an Irish magazine, is it not? Is it? I think so. Right, Honesty Box. 
Ooh, <laughs> could be here a while. Bryce, what shot do you dread hitting the most? What shot gives you the fear, as you would say? That sort of, sort of like 60 to 80 yards into a green. Not a full wedge. Oh, taking a bit that's, off it. Yeah, that's why I'm not. I'm not particularly good at that. I'm well known for not being that great from that distance. Just what is it about it? Don't know. Just not that confident from that distance. Just gives me a wee bit. Of is it because you're not hitting a full shot? Is. Yeah, and you probably. don't have the option to hit yeah. a full shot. So I think certain wedges, you know, all that goes ninety yards. That goes one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's 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 the. It's the one I don't really like. So that's when it doesn't come off, skull it through. Yeah, the back, that was the next can, question. Or you, or you can hit it fat. Always the same in the. Da, 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 10, 11, 12th at Balfron, you always get that kind yeah. of distance. and uh, Especially if you flare it outright. Well, I don't really do that, <laughs> but you do. Flare it. Yeah. Got You've got more of a pronounced slice, really, you don't you? I, I like to t- call it a left to right ball flight. Uh-huh. To be honest. <laughs> that, that, that is what a slice is. Yeah. You don't need to call it that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, look, I've hit another left to right <laughs> ball flight. I move the ball left to right. I mean, that... That can yeah. sound however you interpret it, but when you say slice, it just yeah, that's, to be like that, that. that short. That short, I'm not too keen on. I'm not a big fan of that shot, to be quite honest. Have you ever done anything about it? Uh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I practice it at the at the range, but then it's different when you go on the golf course because that, to me, that short requires a bit of um, trust. Yeah. And I think it also requires consequences. Yeah. It's so easy on the range to just say, ah, ah that distance. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot that can go wrong. You can hit it fat or you can thin it and try to find the middle ground's quite difficult. But then I, I, one thing I've realised is I'm too armsy with that type of shot. Explain. I should, use bod, my, uh, should ro- rotate my body more rather than just... Um, so is your frame, your torso quite static and you're just moving your arms to yeah, hit the shot? Yeah, but too much of that. Well, there you go. You oh, know the problem, why aren't you fixing yeah. it? What um, what shot? Do you <laughs> Every tee shot. Every tee shot. <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, I do not like having to hit, and I think this is true for a lot of people. I just hate a two hundred and fifty yard ish shot into a par five where you feel like you should hit fairway wood off the deck. I hate hitting fairway woods off the deck. Just, I'm not that good a player to brush them away the way I'm meant to. There is a simple fix. Just lay up, be sensible, hit a, hit a seven iron, but uh, not that good. When was the last time you had a lesson? The fact I'm having to think says it all. They're not GMAC at Mulgai. Is he not called Graham McDowell, that guy? No. David something or other. David McDowell. I think it would have been there, yeah. That's. I mean, that's going back years. That's a long time. That's a long time. I think you need a lesson. I'm going to go and see Scott Henry. At Bishop Briggs, Scott oh, was on aye. the pod last month. Because it's free, eh? Oh, by the way, I know he offered. I know oh, he offered, aye. but I'm I'm paying for it. Oh, yeah. When he says, oh, Michael, it's fine, honestly, he'll be like, oh, no, Scott, honestly, let me just... No, no, it's Michael, it's fine. Oh, okay then. How did you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely will pay. But, yeah, it's... I don't know why I don't go for more lessons. I genuinely don't know. I, I think I'm just happy. My... My... Abilities... No, what I look to get out of golf isn't the, <laughs> isn't the same as other people. I'm quite happy just playing golf. Yeah. See, when it comes to necessarily getting that much better, am I happy doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Does it frustrate me? Yeah. Do the good shots feel great? Yeah. Am I that bothered about getting into low single figures? Nah. 
I, I can't I can't deny it. it doesn't have that same lure for me. I much prefer watching golf on TV than I do actually trying to put a score together. I like playing, but I'm not that bothered about score. Which I know you find absolutely repulsive yeah, and you can't get your head around, but Yeah, I don't get that. Horses for courses, I think. Yeah, big plans next year to get my wee boys first handicap. I think that's the plans next year. Oh really? They asked me the other night what a golf handicap was. <laughs> oh my god. I just heard somebody talking about it, so we're gonna get my handicap next year. How long did it take? Explain WHS to him. <laughs> yeah. Couple hours. So you man, sit down. <laughs> Turn the telly off. So you can watch Ronaldo later and catch up. The index. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Some good answers to this question on social media. What is the what was the question? What shot do you dread hitting the most? Leon McGreedy. The next shot, having taken the last golf ball you've got out of the bag with several more holes to play. That happened to, was it Eddie Pepperell? Either last year or the year before, ran out of balls. Really? On the course during a tournament and had to walk in. And I think he DQ'd himself. That's, I don't know how many balls you take out with your Bryce, but I take all the balls. No, I, I'll probably... I've got a trolley now, so it doesn't really matter. I would probably not... I don't go out with less than six. And right. I know I don't I don't need them, but you never know. You could just get the snap hooks one day and suddenly you could, use, you could lose two, three balls and three holes and suddenly you've got 14 holes to go. And <laughs> Do you make allowances for the course you're playing? For example, if you're going somewhere no. new and it's got a lot of water... No, that think, creates yeah. bad vibes. Really? You're that, you're that superstitious? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that about you. I don't, uh, I don't like... Uh, I thought I knew when you I was pretty in, well, but I didn't know that. No, I don't, you know, that's bad vibes. What but a basket case. The one... Uh, <laughs> uh, says the guy won't get a lesson because he doesn't <laughs> want to get any better. <laughs> uh, I played the Victoria course in Portugal on holiday and I was telling the guys that I'd played the course before and there's water in the back nine right. as we're walking because quite a long walk from the ninth green to the 10th tee. And I was saying, yeah, I played with someone here and as soon as he got to the back nine, the minute they saw water, they just hit it in the water. I hit my tee shot down the 10th, played 10th, got my par in the 10th and then stood up in the 11th and hit it in the water. (laughs) (laughs) You think, that, I believe in karma. That is, because you're slagging someone else off, I think that is, it's staring you in the face. You're you're familiar with what we've done over the last hundred odd episodes of this podcast. Yes, the karma gods. They should be all over us. I know. So, yeah. What are we talking about again? The shots that you dread the most, yeah, and taking golf balls out onto the golf course. That's it. Golf balls out. So no, I don't. I don't ever mess with that. I don't. You go whatever course you play, whatever amount of golf balls you got in your bag that you usually play, usually play with. That's what you should play with. Interesting, Jimmy Wilson. Downhill lie to a front pin. The longer the shot, the more I dread it. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. Mike Miller chipping from the hard pan around the green. I, yeah, that's that's not a lot of fun. Like, see tight lies and stuff like that. That just brings into, that brings thins and chunks and skulls and just all that sort of stuff into play. You is that what you would do? No, but just, if people have problems with it, just butt it. Okay, Coach Ritchie has spoken. Darren Fraser, the second shot into the 18th green with the clubhouse bay window in range of my upcoming thinned approach. Yes, certainly at Royal Lytham. Oh God, yeah, yeah, you can take people out at Royal Lytham and have your lunch. Muirfield. Yeah, it's it's Can't a good remember. 30 yards behind the green, but it's... You could do it with a good Still thin. in play. Yeah. If you play that hole like a three-shotter, then it definitely, definitely is. Dale Marsters, the shot he dreads the most, provisional. Actually, what? I th- 
I don't know if Dale's just being clever, but I actually kind of know what he means. Because let's say you stand up there on the first and you hook it into the bindai, it's gone, dead. There's then a consequence for what you do with your provisional. Ah, yeah, but it doesn't bother me because I usually know what I've done wrong with my. But there's more pressure, sure. isn't there? Nah, not for me. I, I would <laughs> not for me. I would know what I'm, I've done I'm wrong. Absolutely fine. You know what I mean? I'm I'm fine. But I know I, whenever I hit a bad shot, I know what I've done wrong. So you fix it with the second shot. My provisional is always pretty hit, good. I was going to say, do you ever hit the same shot no. twice in a row? No, never. No. Nah. So if you duck hook it, right? You're telling me that you do not then ever stand up and duck kick it again yes knowledge okay. Michael knowledge breeds power mm-hmm. or, or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> with great knowledge comes great responsibility uh, some, I I don't know. Yeah. Stephen Anderson flop shots over bunkers Stephen why why are you hitting flop shots yeah. over a bunker hit round the bunker exactly and oh Barry Ferguson I presume it's not that Barry Ferguson but Barry simply said most of them Barry could always just Put it square, could he not? Just a wee square ball to the side, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) You said that, not me. A niche old firm joke for you there. It seems a lot of our readers, followers, listeners have shots that they dread. And I guess the message, and I'm no doubt the worst one to impart this is, get a lesson. Get a lesson. Yeah, you are the worst to impart that message. Mm. Um, I don't think I could ever do anything and not have the idea that I'm getting any better at it. You will be one of those, like we see old boys playing golf and they're just utter crap. I think, why? I don't, why are you doing this to I've, I've said I don't want to play golf if it's that bad. I think when it comes to a point where I'm just rubbish, I think, what's the point? But I think when you get to that age, I think you just... You're just grateful for just, every day. Yeah, it's just alive, to be honest. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> able. I got in my bed this morning, I had a coffee... I was breathing. I think I'll go and play golf. Well, I mean, your dad's what eighty. Still or alive? No. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, Bryce, your dad's still alive. He still he's, plays golf. He's eighty. Yes, he no, does. He's eighty-two. He, he plays more golf every year than you and I combined. Ah, uh-huh, but he's not playing at the moment because you're not allowed. Uh, he needs a buggy to play. Right. Okay. But yeah, you're not allowed in golf course. that. I've told him quite right. But can't Unless go. you're Tiger Woods, in which case exceptions can uh, be made. Yeah, but he's not playing Florida. <laughs> yeah, he plays all the time. He's not. I mean, the last time I played him, I absolutely pumped him, <laughs> and I told him that. When was that? Was that this year? No, because he's, he was ill this year, so it was last year that I gave him a good scudding in the home course to the Islander. No mercy. I told him that. I what, gave up after the first. What an achievement! Rows. I know. What a thing to be proud of. I know. I think what was I your biggest achievement in golf this year? Well, I battered my eight-year-old dad. Eighty-two eight. year old. He's eighty-one then. I think. I think I beat him like six and five or something. Like that. Look how proud you are! Absolutely. Look at that. Fit. You can't Absolutely. see this, but he has chuffed a bit to that memory. <laughs> yeah, damn right. What a sickle! I know, and I've got I need to take him back out again. So some scud again. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you need a wee ego boost, yeah. Dad, do you fancy again? But I need to. I need. I need to take him to Balfour, and he's not played. Balfron, I thought actually think he's ever played Balfron with me. I'm not sure, but we had three generations out. And we played at the Islander at Hilton Park, and uh, that was brilliant. Three generations of Richies, Richies, Fantastic. three generations of Richies, brilliant. What a sport! What brilliant. a game! Great scenes. That is it from us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Bryce, for your time as always. Thank you to George Blackshaw, great guy. Thank you to Callaway for their continued support and thank you in advance to the PPA Scotland judging panel. (laughs) For whatever happens. For whatever happens. Thank you. So presumptuous. Now, hopefully we have some good news to impart next week. If we don't, 
you'll know straight away when we open the show with hello <laughs> anyway thank you very much for listening we'll see you next week until then bye bye for now